if you're listening to this, my thought is there's probably something inside of you that's calling you to, to actually be more in alignment, right? As a, a mother, as a, a person who's into this inquiry of what is that pause look like for me? And it means could potentially nothing other than a different intentional way of being, in my opinion. It doesn't need to take time. It doesn't need to take money and it doesn't need to take resources. It's all about what works for you. Are you a burnt out overachiever buried in responsibilities? Do you miss laughing with your friends, just laughing from the gut? Do you feel like life's passing you by? Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hope, where you get to rediscover laughing from the belly and getting back your meaningful one-on-one time with others. This is where you get to learn how to make that lonely ache vanish and get rid of your nonstop inner critic. Learn self-compassion techniques and give yourself grace. How to stop feeling short-fused. Light up again to see people. If you've been wishing for some kind of shift, you're in the right place. I'm Lauren Abrams, and I get to help you feel that magic again since going through my own dark night of the soul, so you can learn from my experience and the mentors and experts I meet along the way. And today we're talking to executive leadership coach for women, author and TEDx speaker, Rachel O'Meara. You're going to love this episode. I'm so excited to do this amazing series for burnt out, overachieving type A moms. Unlike other shows for overachieving, burnt out moms, only we take you off the hamster wheel by ditching the to-do list for the to-don't list. You're in for a real treat hearing from someone who's here helping you stay motivated, productive, and thriving, being your authentic self. Learn how to take back your time, your vitality, and your health. Take a deep breath, learn to pause. You get to stop wearing that mask like everything's okay right now. Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hope, Rachel. Hi. Hi, Lauren. Hello. Hello. It's so good to be here. I was just giggling as I as you were here as I was hearing you describe myself. I'm like, oh, so what's going <laughs> yeah, on? No, no. <laughs> oh, thank that's you. Me. Thank you for having me on. I'm so, so excited to be here with your peeps. Yeah, no, I'm so excited to talk to you. I, I love that um, a mutual friend of both of us said, oh my God, I have somebody you have to talk to. And then I start reading um, everything. Yeah. And you're stereotypically what I made this series about, where That's everything right. looks perfectly good on the outside and I inside your on paper. Paving. I look great. And then you meet me and it's like, whoa, who's this lady? <laughs> yeah. And it's like caving. And now you're a poster child for taking the pause. You have a podcast called Pausecast. You have a TEDx talk about it, like everything. Yeah. And it's so great. I, I was listening to one of your episodes and you're talking about, but I had to write it down. I'm like, I don't want to get the kind of anxiety you talked about wrong. Neurotic anxiety? Neurotic anxiety. See, I'm like looking for what I was like, Neurotic wait. Anxiety. Yeah, yeah, from yeah. the 1950s. And I, you're like, he was so forward thinking or she, I actually don't. Me. Yeah, that's a big, yeah. big thought leader right there. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm like, how forward thinking anyway, but yeah, yeah I no, love I, the whole people wearing masks and strung so tight. They can't even, I can't pause. I had someone say, I can't pause. I have a two and a four year old. You don't understand. I'm thinking I oh, actually yeah. do. I had full custody of my kids and I can remember getting a call saying, you need to go to the hospital for a blood transfusion. And I thought, I don't have time. I can't. And I was like, and I actually wrestled with, do I go and get that done or don't I just dropped off? carpool and I was like yeah I don't really have time and and that's that's when I knew like you there's something that was wrong. a sign <laughs> I thought about the five signs you need to pause whether you're a mom or not and full disclosure I'm no I am not a mom to doesn't children. matter 
but mm-hmm. I think we all are parents to ourselves. And I think we all have to mother our, ourselves and in our lives as we show up uh, in service to our doing. And, and that requires growing ourselves up, as my old coach Bob Wright would say, and never too late to have a happy childhood. So here we are yeah. as moms and, and moms of ourselves, really, to lead and live lives that we were born to live so we can shine. But yeah, it's so funny you mentioned that blood bank example. That's my example I use when I speak about pausing. I literally have a, a picture of Kermit the Frog who's all tattered up with bandages and first aid kit he's sitting on. He's like all, he's like all bloody. And it's, the analogy is if you go to the blood bank every day, how do you think you'd feel after two weeks or three weeks or a month have you gave blood every day? And the reality is we would pretty much feel like crap. <laughs> right? Like Kermit, like you'd feel deterred and, and, and tired, exhausted, depleted. And I think that's kind of what we do to ourselves when we say we don't have time. And trust me, I know that when I use that excuse most of my life. And that's how I burned out of Google is, is I just kept pushing and pushing and not checking in with myself and not really facing the music of, hey, things aren't working out right now. I don't feel aligned. What could I do different? And I feel like that's what we could all be doing right now. But yeah. Yes. And the loneliness. Because the matter, the fur, higher you are at the top, the mm-hmm. less you can tell anyone because your life looks so good. It's it looks really so good. Lonely. How can you complain? You can't complain because you can. You don't have the money problem, or you. It, it, there's so much, but your kids aren't seeing you. You don't laugh. You're not getting on the floor with them. You're not walking <laughs> your own dog. You're not seeing your friends. And remember when you used to laugh with your yeah. friends? Like what friends? Who? I can't tell anyone how miserable I am because I've seemingly achieved what I was striving for. Yeah. And I think what, that's what, you. You had yeah. this job at Google. That not that what everyone wants? The job at Google. That's right. That's what I look great on paper for. And I, I say, I literally say that in the first chapter of the book, Pause where on paper, I, I was the model person that most women wanted to be, where I had my own apartment and I had, I was a crazy overachiever. I'd run marathons. I lived in New York and then I lived in San Francisco and I worked at Google for, at that time, a couple of years. And what could go wrong? I was a national champion rower, like just all these awesome things I was accomplishing. Hey, six times, six time national six champion time. rower. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and the reality is I felt broken. I felt like I could not for the life of me figure out how to feel good again. And I was just getting this feedback. It was external. It was my boss. But my my sense is this could come from anybody. It could come from yourself. It could come from a relationship where you feel like you're doing the best you possibly can. Like you're just like, I am, I am in, I'm everything I'm doing. And yet you feel like a failure. You feel like, why isn't this working? This has worked my entire life. I've done whatever I needed to do. And now for whatever reason, it's like, I'm, I'm on that treadmill, like you said, spinning my wheels and I feel like I'm in a tailspin. And that I think is the essence of what burnout is because it feels like you're, you continually, no matter how hard you try, write the ship, you want to write the ship. And yet for whatever reason, you're, you're just not going anywhere. You're going one step forward, two steps back. Yeah. So how did you discover the pause? It's actually like a resort, like in Arizona. I mean, it? I ended up discovering meditation and taking four days, going to the uh, someplace. Just I needed rest. The whole thing. I didn't. I don't have any family. I'm raising my kids. I needed, and I just hired somebody to watch my kids for the, a long weekend. Went to a resort, and I discovered meditation. 
I did yoga. I did meditation. I discovered breath work through that, that breath work, the way you are certified with breath work, how much the breath matters and am I holding my breath and about meditation and gave me a, it was a meditation, a, a disc, a USB drive. It's been over 20 years now. 20 or 18, probably at least. And I started meditating and it made such a difference. But also I started quarterly taking time for me. I needed to refill my tank in order to serve others because it wasn't just, I mean, I volunteer, I, I help in all these various places. And I, if I didn't take care of me, I couldn't help anyone. I couldn't help my employees. I couldn't help where I volunteer. I couldn't help my kids. I couldn't help anyone if I didn't take care of me. And it, so it, it started with filling my tank first, true. just like on the airplane. It's true. Exactly. I knew you were going to say that. That's why I said it's true. I was reading your mind. No, I'm just kidding. Because we can't help others unless we're helping ourselves. And that I think is the challenge of finding the pause. And I think each of us finds that in our own path at some point. Hopefully it's before the breaking point. Hopefully it's before a brink of whatever you're dealing with, right? Whether it might be mm -hmm. physical ailments or health or emotional or mental alignment. And, and I, my sense is that pause, and I call a pause an intentional shift in behavior, is, is, the, is like the key, like the clue to say, hang on a second, what's happening here? What could yeah. I do different? How am I feeling is one of the biggest questions we can ask ourselves. And for me, going back to how I found the pause so I did burn out. I burned out of Google, basically. And I took a three-month unpaid break, which was a very fortunate and privileged position at the time. This was over 10 years ago. But what it really taught me was at some level, and by the way, I had no training at all in meditation or mindfulness or like emotional intelligence, the things that I now <laughs> coach and teach on. But what I did have was, was like all this business training. I was really good at sports. I was an athlete and um, had an MBA. So I felt like I could figure stuff out, like probably all of us. But that's what I felt like my head was against the wall. I took a three month unpaid break because I figured I'm the common denominator. There's probably something going on here that I have to figure out because if I just quit and go find something else. And the way I relate this to moms is you just you kind of keep pushing through and do doing your stuff, doing your thing, whether it's, you know, your the dinner, the dinner on the table or, you know, getting getting your care for kids as you're at work or whatever it might be. And you keep moving forward in that, but you're not necessarily changing anything about what care do you need as you increase your load, right? Because that's what happens is when we increase our growth, whether it's being a mom and caring for a whole nother human, that requires a lot more resources. And if we don't up what we do in self-care or how we can how we can do that, then we'll just stay stuck. And that's how I think we, we do burn out. And so for me, I, you know, it was a forced pause. I took this break and then I, <laughs> this is the story I have. I, you know, took that time to study about myself and I took a couple of classes. I rented a friend's home in Tahoe. And then I went to Burning Man that last week. That was in 2011. And that was a meditation camp I went to. And by the way, I didn't meditate once there. So I was like, oh no, I'm good, thanks. So here I am, I'm surrounded by literally change and pausing and only meditation. But what happened was I made really good friends with the meditator, um, the instructor who had written a book, Mark Thornton, called How to Meditate in a New York Minute. We became great friends. And then I started reading that book after Burning Man. <laughs> and I started to meditate. And I thought, this is profound. I started really like calming myself in those moments of, 
deep reflection, which is literally just breath, right? Like just like taking an inhale, exhale. We just meditated. Congratulations, right? Like that's that's yeah. what it is. And so that's kind of where I ended up finding the pause. And then what I realized was I did go back to Google. I didn't quit. I got a new job that I think resonated with what my strengths were because I looked at those a little bit. And I started hosting speakers in the Talks at Google program that I thought had meaningful messages to share, including my friend Mark. So you can find him on YouTube, uh, Talks at Google. And um, one of them, another mentor who he introduced me to, Judith Wright, eventually became my mentor. And I ended up studying in Chicago at the Wright Foundation. I got my master's in transformational leadership and coaching there. And I realized, holy cow, there's so much depth to self-awareness I didn't even know about. Like I was just like, whoo, clueless. And I started to realize there was a lot of work to do for me that would serve me if I wanted to tune in. And that's how I found the pause. And so I wrote the book, hoping that maybe I could help a few folks in the world of uh, feeling stressed and overwhelmed learn that they can actually create these tools and use these tools in emotional intelligence and meditation so that they could lead the lives that feel and really thrive and be in service to all their amazing doing that they're doing as parents, as, as uh, people and as leaders. Yeah, definitely. And answers emerge in the pause. I say a pause can be take a walk around the block without a device or yeah. I mean, it doesn't have to be, I mean, people say, I can't meditate. You can't do it wrong. <laughs> when the, the phrase that really struck me when I was thinking about that, because I would come up with that all the time. Like today I got up and went right into a meeting. I have not meditated and I feel like I want to go do it actually now because it's, you know, years later and I do it, but uh, Gabby Bernstein, I don't know if you know her, she's an author, sure. Hay House author, has written numerous books. Right. And she would say, some, that was someone who I found in my, in my pause, uh, if you don't have two minutes, to, then then do you have two minutes? Two minutes to feel like crap. Like, if, yeah. like if you don't have two minutes in your life, then do you have time to feel like crap? Because you probably do. And it really struck me because I'm like, okay, if I really like, can I really not have two minutes? No. The reality is, I wasn't. I was afraid to stop to pause and stop because I was afraid. I felt the fear of looking at myself like holy, you know, smoke bombs. I'm afraid that I'm not living the life that really I thought would make me happy. Mm-hmm. And that's, that takes courage and that's hard. And it takes a lot of reflection to be like, well, well, what would make me happy? Like what, what could be different? How, how, what would that look like? And and I'll bring it back to Burning Man. Cause I guess it's on my mind lately. It really taught me not, I don't have to put myself in this box. I don't have to think I have to have right. a job or like work in this certain way or you know, be a, be a human in the world in this way. It's like, I could go meld wet. I could go meld metal together and be a welder and like, love it if I wanted to. I'm like, I guess I could do that. It never occurred to me, but like, that's kind of what I thought and saw amongst the art that I had experienced in in this week of like radical self-reliance that's burning man. So anyway, that's kind of how I ended up in this realm of discovering the pause. And now I'm on a mission like you to help as many women as possible know that you don't have to suffer. You don't need to go through the painful moments of excruciating like victimhood or feeling like there's no end in sight because you've lost yourself. There's actually ways you can go right back to finding yourself and feeling incredible again, whether you've got one kid or 20 kids, you know, like yeah, or none and busy, busy is a bad, like, how are you doing? I'm so busy. That's a badge, yeah. right? Yeah. Can you imagine if you said, I'm doing great. I have all this free time. Can you imagine actually answering that? I, 
I know certain people that come to mind who would be horrified, absolutely horrified to answer that way. They yeah. couldn't, and they're not ready to hear this message. They can't receive it yet, mm-hmm. which is all that is. And, and that's okay. It just has to be, but you really can create a life however you want work, however many days a week and make enough money. You yeah. really can. And you're living proof. Like you've created a life, <laughs> like you're doing great. You shine, you've got friends, you're happy. Here you are all these years later, you're not like groveling going, Google, please give me my job back. I'll, you know, yeah. I'll clean the trash cans. I know what I know. Yeah. Thanks. I mean, I, I really, I really take that to heart because I think it's, it's been a journey and it hasn't always been this way, right? Like we all go through our own path that gets us to where we are today. And it's so served each of us. I think of like my own story of burnout and and just like my zigzag path. And a lot of it was hard, but I also know it got me to where I am today. And so I'm really grateful. And I feel like each of us can take that stance to know whatever your path has been, it doesn't even like really, it isn't that significant in service to who you could become now. Because it got you to this point in time, right here, right now, listening to this, which is incredible. Kudos to all of those tools and resources that got you here. But if you're listening to this, my thought is there's probably something inside of you that's calling you to to actually be more in alignment, right? As a a mother, as a, a person who's into this inquiry of what does that pause look like for me? And it means could potentially nothing other than a different intentional way of being, in my opinion. It doesn't need to take time. It doesn't need to take money and it doesn't need to take resources. It's all about what works for you. So what's, what would you have somebody who's listening, who's afraid? They're, they're yeah. afraid. They know they're not aligned yeah. with what they really want to be afraid. doing. Sister, yeah, of course. I mean, who's not afraid? Okay. Like, yeah. like um, I work a lot with emotions and there's five primary emotions that I've learned from my mentors at the Right Foundation. And fear is one of the five. So fear, hurt, joy, sadness, and anger are those five. And so if you just name one of those any given day, you know, you're doing great because you're actually already in tune with how you feel. But fear is kind of this foundation of, you know, knowing where I'm at in the world, right? Like I may not, I may not have time for lunch. There's fear there. I'm crossing the street. There's fear there. I don't know if I'm going to get to this appointment on time. There's, there's like this low level of anxiety that kind of like runs across everything. And so fear is really normal, everybody. Like that's what we were talking about in the podcast. You heard Lauren about Rollo May and and neurotic anxiety. It's actually a part of human, the human condition is to have fear. What if I don't make it? What if I don't grow up enough? What if I die early? Like all of these things, right? Knowing that that's happening, I think is the first step to just acknowledge the fear. Like if you feel fear, name it, name it to tame it, as Dan Siegel tells us right? Like, like Mm -hmm. Dr. Siegel, who's written many, many awesome books. Uh, So if you just name it, oh, I feel fear. It's, it's huge because you're now off of autopilot and letting the fear run you. It doesn't mean you're going to get out of it and it's all rainbows and unicorns, but that is the first step. And a lot of us are wanting to avoid the fear because we've been told by society and our conditioning as adults to, to run away from that. And it's, bad to be in fear. Like don't like push through the fear. Like you got this, you know, all of this stuff. And there's a time and a place for that. I'm not saying that's not a good thing, but if you actually can just start with what's so think of a map, right? If you've got a Google map in front of you, it could be any map really, but Google map, we all use that now. And you don't know where you're starting. How the heck do you know where you're going? You don't, you know, you have no idea. So you have to plot yourself. You have to say, how am I doing right now? And that's why I think a lot of us are burning out and feeling depleted because we aren't touching base with that present moment of 
who am I? What am I doing right now? And that's super scary, by the way. That is super scary. So I suggest daily pauses, like you were saying, Lauren, like just these little things. So I think journaling is a humongous underutilized tool. And people probably might resist that, right? I don't have time to journal. I don't want to get a pen, like da 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 da. Whatever those excuses are. Okay, great. Like write them all down. That's a journal entry. Congratulations. Like you're on, yeah. you're on your way to start journaling. Because that's the thing. We resist what we what persists. And that in that in this case, our brains want to keep us safe and in comfort zones. So journaling might actually whoo, like expose something that I don't want to know about. Like imagine that. So we're always up against something in our own psyche sometimes. And that's what the awareness is to kind of say, hang on a second. Like, okay, well, how am I feeling? Fear, hurt, joy, sadness, anger. Oh, I feel fear. Okay. And then just be curious. Like, that's the huge thing. I talk about this in my TED talk that, that you mentioned. So like being curious is such a superpower. It, it's huge because it gets us out of the judgment zone. I don't know about you, but I'm a judging mis- machine because I'm, Amer- I'm a human. I was almost said American, but I'm a human. That's the qualifier. You can be any nationality and be a judge or machine. That's funny. I think I was thinking about politics or something. And then you can adjust from there. But I think being objective is the key and, and curiosity can actually move us into that space a little easier as gratitude can, which I know you're a big fan of that. It actually it can be very powerful just to be like, what, like, well, what, what went well today? What could I celebrate? And little things are the way, the way, the way to go because they, they can be leading to bigger changes, but Hey, Oh my God, I made, I made a healthy meal for myself. Woo. Give myself a high five in the mirror. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Gradualists every day. Yeah. <laughs> Exchange yeah. them with your friends. Exactly. So I think we need to be talking about this more. I think the world is changing. As we know, we're 24 seven online, whether you've, you know, no matter what your title is, what you do for your living, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, whether you're, you know, like the leader of the free world, like whatever it is, there is an opportunity to check in and align and say, how am I, how am I doing? But we need to know that pausing takes intention. It doesn't just happen on its own, especially if you're like me, which I think you are, and probably all of us are, are achievers. We're, we're, we're doers. We're go-getters. We we do awesome stuff in the world and we don't want to stop because we're good at doing stuff, right? We're, yeah. we're great at tasks. So for us to actually say <laughs> time out, it's yeah. almost, it's very, I call it the pause paradox. It's like, wait a second, what? Like you want me to stop? Like, but I'm going to look like a slacker. People aren't going to think I'm working hard enough. I don't think I'm working hard enough. I was told to push, push, go, go, go. And I know I can do it. <laughs> Whatever those are, right? So it's up against all our belief systems usually. And the key is to consider, just be open to it, that maybe that model is shifting and we can each assess it for ourselves through that process of of some of these daily pauses, like maybe journaling, going out for a walk, having a conversation about it. The more we talk about it, the more we destigmatize pausing or just doing whatever, because I think pausing is very active. I think it's intentional. It takes the conscious thought to know what to do. And it's not, it's not necessarily just tuning out or zoning out and putting your feet up, kicking up with a, with a margarita and watching Netflix, although that is a pause, but it's, you know, what are you going to get out of this? How is this going to serve you? If I think about that and say, okay, I'm going to give myself an hour to watch this show today and I want to feel refreshed and nourished from it, then that's awesome. Like, that's what I would say is like the difference between that and just kind of the autopilot. Let me do this for the sake of it. Yeah, definitely. 
that way. Yeah. I think I think uh, meditation and journaling are the two best tools there are. Hands mm-hmm. down. Answers emerge in the pause for sure. But I don't think in the Netflix pause that they miss. <laughs> what if it's about meditation? Would that matter? No. <laughs> maybe. Maybe there's a cross there. But yeah, uh, I'm not yeah. so sure. But we don't have yeah. to go there. So um, for anybody who doesn't know, do you want to just kind of define emotional intelligence? You had talked Absolutely. about that early on. Yeah, great call. So emotional intelligence is actually a term that's been around not that long. It came out pretty much for the business world. And actually, it came out first in economics in, in around 1995. And Daniel Goleman coined this term in his book, Emotional Intelligence, to get to the business world. And so it's only, if you think about it, it's only been around about 30 years total as a concept. And what it really means, the definition that I like to think about is it's the awareness of myself and how I'm doing in relationship to myself, others, and the world and being present to it in the moment. That means I might know how I feel. That might mean I'm reading a room. That might, that might mean I'm expressing based on how I'm feeling or what's going on around me. And it's all in service to becoming a better leader, in my opinion, because I'm leading my life. I'm becoming an influencer because I'm very aware of myself. And then that helps me move around and navigate the world, whether it's relationships, whether it's uh, groups and community or my family, things like that, because I'm able to relate and it's relating to myself and it's relating to others. And and we miss that, right? We, we A lot of us, are not trained in that. I didn't have any training in that actually until I burned out and learned the hard way. Yeah. <laughs> and now I help other people, especially women and, and leaders, learn these tools that we're all so super capable of. Just like that one where we named a feeling, that's a tool. And emotional intelligence is my sense is the gateway to really feeling uh, self, self-resilient self and, and empathetic for yourself, but also doing what you want to do in the world in a way that feels super supported by yourself because you're learning how to nurture and nourish yourself and self-care for yourself through emotional intelligence. It goes by EQ. Sometimes you hear that word or EI. Yeah. Yeah. And it's modeled after the, like the IQ, which is, you know, your intellectual quotient, but that's different. That's more like the cerebral brain is more like full mind body. And again, that was a long definition, but hopefully you got no, it wasn't. Um, and again, the more you meditate, the more in tune you're going to be with everything around you, and your empathy level rises. Also, in my opinion, yeah, exactly. And I think uh, you know my my mentors, uh, I cite them all the time, Judith Wright and, and and Bob Wright. What they would say, and they you know are trained in this field for fifty plus years, is. Uh, it's not the feelings that we're afraid of. It's the relationship to the feelings that we're afraid of, right? Yeah. So fear, when you think about it, it's like, that's oh, just fear. It's like, all right, I'm, I'm terrified right now. Like this doesn't feel good, but it's me thinking about terror, the, the thinking about the apprehension, like all of the pain and the suffering that I might go through, which is my resistance to being in the fear, if that makes sense. You name it, you claim it, you know, the whole thing of that. And then you're feeling it and then you get to walk through it. So great. Yeah. I like that though. The once, yeah. I mean, just- and, and, well, what what I think it helps is comforting ourselves to know, you know, a lot of times I think we are alone in how we are feeling. Like you said, like it's lonely at the top, and you'd be like, am I the only person in the world who just feels like a complete, utterless, you know, 
aimless doom doom right now like just some like crazy person or whatever yeah. i'm at a loss for words at the moment but the idea or is feel like or feeling like life's passing me by that's a that's a big feeling me by. i've lost my luster for life i'm just kind of in the motions now going through the motions or whatever that might be right but i guess this is it yeah <laughs> right like settling yeah. and and the reality is actually no like that's just you know there's peaks and troughs all the time and if I'm able to name how I feel, that's the starting point. And then I can move out of that, right? I can move through it. I can complete that feeling. I can get support for it. And a lot of times there's ways that we want to move forward, but we don't know how. And no one can do it alone. That's the other part. Yes. So being in support, listening to support groups and podcasts like this are, are really good help. But I'd, I'd say we have to get out of our own, like literally our own minds and our heads, because that's what we know. And that's what we project and transfer out into the world and everybody else. So having allies, having coaches, having support groups be at our sides to help support us a lot of times is what's needed. And that's what's so great about community, because we we can all do it, but a rising tide lifts all boats. And it's really hard. We just cannot do that sometimes. It's too much. And that's why we stay stuck. And we just think like, oh, well, I guess that's how I got to live. But the reality is no, but we can ask for help. We can get support. And I think that's really a pause in itself, which is really important and really hard for a lot of achieving women. Yeah, it's true. And Rachel has a community and I will have links for all everything of hers. So just, uh, yes. of course, in, on the website and the show notes and everything else. What is the hardest challenge you've ever gone through and how did you get through it? Yeah. Ooh. Okay. Well, my sense is I have two that come to mind. So one was that time in my life I described yes. where I burned out mm -hmm. and it was just me right. like full on frontal, like facing my mask. Like, am I this like achiever Googler? Is this my life? And I was really scared to look at that. And I did. And it, it changed everything. The second time is actually when I was 22, I went to France on a working permit after college. And I, for whatever reason, thought I'd want to work in a ski resort because I think, you know, I love skiing. Why not? And I spoke French, but not much, but I, you know, this was before internet and we had telecarts and, uh, I thought like I was, I didn't know what, I didn't know if I'd make it. I was on credit card debt. I was kind of making it, making ends meet. I was fired from my job. I, you know, I just like, I felt like I was literally living in the moment. I, I, I was there for nine months and I did work out. I lived, I lived to tell, I got another job, but it was a challenge because it was in a different country. I was by myself and I made it. So I, I did know that was 95. If I, I figured if I could make it through that, I could probably do anything. And, and I did. So I'm sure there's other challenges ahead of me now too, but those were two that I always think of when I feel like I need some motivation and inspiration. There, your adventure. Um, and it's now one of the hardest things you've gone through. Mm -hmm. so. It was also great. It was a lot of fun. I traveled like two months on the Eurorail, but it was a very daunting time. <laughs> Do you have a message of hope you want to give? Mm, yeah, I would say little changes, little step-by-step -step changes is the way that things get done and shift long-term. I call it the law of little things. And if you think that it's too hard or there's too much on your plate or there's whatever is coming up for you, What's the next thing you could do? Like, what's the next little thing you could think of that would help move you in the direction you want to go? That's it. And write it down, put it on, like, that's your one thing to do that day. 
is to try that. So I think nothing can be over, like uh, nothing can be too far out of reach, but if we break it down into little steps, we, we generally can, we generally can achieve where we want to go in service to our doing, whether it's the being or the doing. I like that. Yeah. Just do the next right indicated step. Yeah. And if you don't know what that is, then your job is to pause and to allow that to surface and emerge because chances are it will. You just need to listen inside and kind of tune in. Maybe, like it's family, maybe it's just meditation. Maybe it's a walk out in the woods. Uh, I love that. Way to work the pause in one more time too. I, I, I mean, to me, that's, that's everything. That's... It's everything. I think this is why I'll never not talk about this because to mm -hmm. me, it's the gateway towards everything you want in your life everything. It, it, because if we don't stop and align, we're going to miss it. You will miss it if you're not pausing because like things just happen all the time, right? Life mm -hmm. is in the fast lane. Nothing's going to be slowing down anytime soon. But if we're not slowing ourselves down just to even take a breath, we're, we're probably going to miss any signs that we could do anything different. And then we just end up, we stay stuck. We stay on that treadmill, nothing changes. And we go, we just don't, we just aren't satisfied. It doesn't work well for us, I think. I don't know about you, yeah. but that's what I think. <laughs> no, definitely. I, mean, I would say most of us think that. Of yeah, of course I'm going to think that. And God doesn't drive parked cars is what I was told. You can't sit in a corner wishing. You have to take the little steps. Oh, yeah. I like that one. I haven't heard that before. Yeah, no. I, God I, doesn't drive parked cars. Yeah, you can't sit in a corner wishing is what I was told. That you can oh, I want this to happen. And yeah. if I had not done, you know, just open emails or asked, hey, do you know anyone? I wouldn't have met Rachel. who has a book on the pause and a TEDx and a podcast on the pause and it couldn't be more in sync. And from this, I'll ask her, Hey, who else do you know? You know, and, and that's how, and she may ask me and, and that's how people always say, how do you get such good guests? Because I asked. And if I didn't ask, that's mm -hmm. the not sitting in a corner wishing and hoping it happens. It's by taking steps. I, yeah, you stick to your guns a little bit in terms of like what feels good. And if a lot of times we're out of, uh, we're out of like basically like out of shape for that. We forget, right? If we haven't been tuning in, how would you know? So it, it's it's right. going back to thinking about well, what would I want? Like if I could actually want anything, like what would I want? I want to. I would love to interview some interesting people. Like great, but we have to literally. It's a skill, right? This is the part that's the discipline is to ask ourselves. Okay, yeah, how am I feeling? What do I want? And a lot of us have broken wanters. That's what I like to think about. Is uh, you know, we have to, we have to train and, and teach ourselves how to want and, and, and to feel our aliveness that, that mm -hmm. drives our, our wants and needs. And we're, if we're really disconnected to that, that happens, right? Life happens and we get busy. And, and next thing you know, we don't have, we don't know what that is. And, and so that's what the regrouping is with emotional intelligence is kind of like, okay, well, let's go back to basics. Let's go to ground zero myself. How am I feeling? What, what's going on with me? And, we start there and, and believe it or not, we all have capabilities that are just probably needing a little conditioning, right? Just like going to the gym, like meditation, right? Practice. And the more we practice these things, the better and more aware we can be that will help align us and get clear on what we want and how to, we would want to change things up if we did at all. Maybe you don't, maybe it's all good. Yeah. And you can also think, well, what fills you with joy when you think about yeah. it? That, I love that. Fills you with joy. That's the best question to ask. And then, oh, well, this does. Oh, well, good. But write that down. 
Um, yeah, I, I love thinking about this to make a list of, uh, I just did this recently, like 10, a list of 10 things that bring you joy. Like you just love doing, make a list of the 10 mm-hmm. things you love doing and that bring, and then, and then bring you joy. And then you can circle one or two of those to just focus on for your next adventure and, and have the joy. Yeah. Yeah. This all started with me asking a much older demographic what they've gleaned from living life. Cause they say nobody on their deathbed ever wished they worked harder and made more money. So I wanted to know, okay, so tell me you've lived a long yeah. time. <laughs> Let me know. This is my soul journey, my soul searching right now. And that's how this all started. So you mentioned community and we need community. Don't do this in isolation. So yeah. Rachel, this is so great. Um, I will have links to everything that Rachel's she can't coach everyone, but she has a lot of I have lots of resources. Yeah. 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 So and many. I so I will definitely have links to everything of hers. Thank you so much for being our guest today on 52 Weeks of Hope. Is there anything that I should have asked you that I didn't and we're going to be done? And you're going to be like, Lauren didn't ask me this. I think we covered a lot. And I think this <laughs> is great. And I think a lot of times when even when we hear these kinds of things, our, our knee-jerk reaction is, oh, that's overwhelming. Like, that's too much. And I just invite everyone listening, what's the one takeaway that you would take from this for you? What would that pause plan look like? So maybe it's to tell a friend about the podcast that you just heard and like this pausing concept. Maybe it's the law of little things. Maybe it's naming a feeling like whatever that is, just take one thing. That's a lot of little things at work right there. And it's not about so much the do, the saying stuff, but it's like, let's apply, right? Like experientially shifting is where the change in the rubber meets the road to use another car analogy. But that's what I would say is, you know, just what's that one thing that you want to take away and really savor from this time together we've had and go for that. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much, Trevor, for having me. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and take with you the messages of compassion, openness, and of course, the pause. Such fulfilling messages to take into your week ahead. Be sure to share the episode with your friends and to rate and review the podcast so more people feel less alone in the overwhelm and to remember the pause. Answers emerge in the pause and instead of adding to your to-do list, how about a to-don't list? Be sure to tune in next week when Sarah Peck joins talking about how you can stop the struggle, heal your humanity, and why you do the things you do so that you can feel more authentic and focused again. You do get to align with who you really want to be and do those things you really want to do. She's the founder of Startup Parent, and it's an amazing, empowering episode. You're going to love this. Sarah, she's just phenomenal. You'll love that. That's next week. This is a show for burnt out, overachieving type A moms. It's a special series I'm doing. And unlike other shows for burnt out, overachieving moms, only we take you off the hamster wheel by ditching the to-do list or the to-don't list. Until next week, I'm Lauren Abrams. Thanks for listening.